When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I can make this short and sweet because everybody said everything and been much funnier than I'll ever be. So I got to thank Tom, who's championed us shamelessly and unapologetically. It took a lot of balls, and God bless you. For us, this is a special night, but it's really a special night for our fans. This is vindication. We couldn't have done this without you. Peter, Ace, Gene, we are the original foursome. We couldn't have done this had we not started it together. Here we are tonight, basically inducted for the same things that we were kept out for. The people, I believe, are speaking to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and what they're saying is they want more. They deserve more. They want to be a part of the induction. They want to be a part of the nomination. They don't want to be spoon-fed by a handful of people. Choices. Let's not forget that these are the people who make it all possible. We just benefit from it. So I look out here and I see all these people. I see faces that over the years inspired me. People that made me what I am. So I'm here tonight because of the people who inspired me. And I'm also here because of the people I inspired. So God bless you all. It's a wonderful night. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network. Good for you, Jack. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I am joined with a special guest today, my close personal friend. We talk and text more than people know. The one and only host of the Talk To Me podcast, the illustrious Josh Toomey. Joshua, how are you? I'm doing well, Baco. Man, it's great to be on here. And uh, congratulations on your, what are they, 8-2 uh, and two Minnesota Vikings? Oh, yes. A little football talk before we get going. Yes, it's very nice. Uh, uh, as a Viking fan, I cannot wait for everything to fall apart, uh, especially with Case Keenum at the helm. There's not a whole lot of confidence in the state to be telling you the truth. <laughs> right. Uh, at least we feel good yeah, but, but, about uh, making the playoffs or beating the Packers, but I don't know. I'm scared about tomorrow. 
<laughs> my good boy, uh, my, my boy up at Teddy Bridgewater. Hopefully he comes back. And, uh, you know, it was great to see him on the sidelines the other day and shedding a tear that he was back on the active roster. I know we're boring all of your fans out there, but uh, uh, but got to do a little bit of football talk at the beginning here. Right, right, because we don't see each other all too often. Uh, uh, you don't th- It's, it's going to be difficult to bench Case Keenum. He's got to have a couple bad games, I think. Right. It's not oh, like, yeah, definitely. It's not like Teddy was tearing it up before. Uh, he had a very promising start to his career, but it was uh, kind of halted uh, pretty abruptly. So, Well, maybe Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater may, will maybe one day make the Hall of Fame. Ooh, there's a segue for you. There you yes, go. And, and uh, we're back. Uh, you're back again for the second year in a row to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with me. Um, Loose Cannon, of course, can't join us because he heard you were uh, going to be a guest. So. He's, he's afraid of me. He's ducking me, ducking and dodging me. Yeah, I saw he, him at the uh, Nashville Rock and Pot Expo. The guy never spoke to me. Like he, he kept his distance the entire day. If I was at one spot, he was on the entire <laughs> opposite opposite end of the uh, of the, uh, the the convention hall there. So, yeah, it could guy. not have been more obvious, right? I mean, that he was basically, you know, uh, trying to make sure he was within at least twelve feet from where you were. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. I don't know what I ever did to him. I don't know if I maybe called him out on an episode of my podcast. But, uh, yeah, the guy's scared of me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think he thinks you uh, burned his house down in 1991. I'm not sure where you were. Well, I definitely did that. There was a snowstorm. I needed uh, needed some fire, <laughs> needed some firewood, and uh, they were they were hogging all the firewood. So I had to get rid of their house. The the cannons were hogging all the firewood. I, I knew it. There's more to this story than he's telling. Well, always a pleasure to have you on the show, Josh. Uh, congratulations on all the, uh, I don't know, it seems like every time I open Facebook, I, the first 18 items in my uh, feed are uh, blabbermouth or some somebody way more uh, uh, important than me uh, picking up uh, your, your podcast and sharing some headline of somebody that you interviewed who uh, no longer is the drummer from the Cottonmouth Kings. You uh you're hitting a lot of big timers lately. Yeah. I've moved on from the uh, Cottonmouth Kings drummer onto bigger, <laughs> better things. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Uh, I recently uh, joined forces with MetalNexus.net. Uh, I have become the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. So uh, yeah, you can find all the stuff over there. Obviously, www.MetalNexus.net. Uh, check out the Talk To Me tab uh, for all the latest stuff. And then they write great articles uh, stemming from the podcast. And yeah, still, uh, you know, blabbermouth, brave words. Um, iHeartRadio just started picking it up, which I think is crazy. And then they actually added mm-hmm. me to their service. So if you have iHeartRadio, you can always uh, search the Talk to Me podcast there. Right. And uh, and to me, T O O M E Y. I did have. Uh, uh, I was recently on uh, Talking Metal, and uh, uh, so I saw someone reach out to Mark Striegel looking for the Talk to Me podcast, as in like Talk T O. Me podcast. Yeah, it's, and they it's find it. So <laughs> for those listening, it's not to me. It's to me. Right. It's it's a subtle thing. Yeah, it's it's you know a play on words. <laughs> I've, I've I've always wondered how many people actually look for the talk to me podcast and not find it because there's actually not a podcast called just just talk to me. So I need to maybe somehow figure out a way to uh, secure that name too. I don't know how to do that. That's a little bit above my pay grade. Well, I will gladly shred just a little bit of my kiss cred and tell you this. I, I had to be one of the last people on the planet that had heard of your podcast that actually put the that talk to me 
I just talk. <laughs> I, I looked at it as your last name. Like, talk Baco, talk to me. Right. And I never, <laughs> until someone made the joke, it might have even been loose cannon, you know, so... Well, it's funny that when I had um, Kirk from Crowbar on, Kirk Weinstein of Crowbar was on the podcast, and you know, after this, after the uh, it quote unquote interview was over, um, I stopped him. I was like, "Hey, man, do you mind doing a quick bumper for the show?" And he said, "Yeah, that's cool." And I, I was like, "You know, the, the show is called Talk to Me," and he goes, "Like the Kiss song." <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I'm a big Kiss fan, but that's actually, I guess, kind of an obscure Kiss song. So I went and not then, if you're uh, a big fan. Right, no, no, not if like, you're a big I'm fan, a, man. No, I'm a mediocre fan. It just it, it, it had always eluded me that there was actually a Kiss song out there called "Talk to Me," and uh, uh, yeah. So, but it's a, it's a cool tune. I, I I dug it. I enjoyed it. I should probably incorporate it in the show a little bit more. But uh, but yeah, it was it was cool. And he you know he made the joke, and that's when I first kind of put two and two together. But yeah, uh, I was either going to call the show "Talk to Me" or "Speak to Me," and uh, I guess I I like the alliteration of "Talk to Me" better. Yeah, and uh, uh, as far as the Ace Frilly song, he wrote that when he was on the letter T. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. Good old that, Ace that, That's a deep that joke for the Kiss fans out there. There are He has three songs on the record that's on, and they all start with T. Tomorrow, Talk to Me, and Torp... Or not Tomorrow. Torpedo Girl, Two Sides of the Coin, and Talk to Me are the three songs. A lot of T's on that well, record, you. apparently. Wow. Baco, you're a bit way bigger nerd than me. Oh, I'm a huge nerd, yeah. Wait a second. That was kind of a fat joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's all the, right. Uh, I, I, do, I do love the Kiss nerds, though, and Kiss was definitely my gateway into metal. So, uh, man, I, I love me some Kiss. I definitely painted my face up as a kid Kiss. as Gene Simmons and Ace Frehley many a time with my uh, – actually, I used my grandmother's lipsticks. So she was pissed about that. Kiss is to rock and metal as marijuana is to drugs. It's a Absolutely. gateway, people. <laughs> uh, cheers to you! All right, let's uh, let's talk a little rock and roll hall of fame. Last time I last year when we had you on, uh, we we kind of covered our thoughts, I believe. So we really don't need to get into that too much. If I recall correctly, you were pretty similar to me in that, like, that's eh, kind of a cool thing, but whatever. Is that fair? Yeah. So yeah, the rock and roll of fame. I mean, obviously, it's prestigious. It's uh, you know, in the actually the last few years. Uh, you know, with bands like Metallica getting in and things like that, they've, that, they've kind of come around to like my and your quote unquote generation, you know, growing up. Right. Uh, a lot of the bands that were getting in are not necessarily stuff we grew up listening to. But now that we're all old and getting older. Uh, obviously, some of the bands are getting nominated and are on the even the uh, the initial lists are crazy. Like a, like a band like Jane's Addiction last year, I think, was on the list. I mean. When Jane's Addiction is getting on the list, uh, and even this year's with like Rage Against the Machine and Radiohead, when those type bands are starting to make uh, the nominations, just starts uh, you start seeing a few more crow's feet in the mirror. I guess every time you look in there. <laughs> yeah, like one of those doesn't it make you feel old moments? Absolutely, oh, drink. Um, <laughs> so we'll start off. Let's uh, let's we're gonna kind of put this in phases of like uh, what do you want to call the the, the first section of uh, artists. These are the uh, also rands. Yeah, like I'm not even sure why they're on the ballot. I guess is the way I would put it. But. Unlike last year, where we went just one by one and shared our opinion, we did a little pre-talk. But let's start with Kate Bush. What can uh, what can Josh Toomey tell me about Kate Bush? 
I had heard the name Kate Bush so often that I figured when I sat down today and listened to Kate Bush that I'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's Kate Bush. But when I hit play on the Kate Bush Spotify, never <laughs> never heard that stuff ever in my life. And then I realized that uh, she sounds a lot like Tori Amos. Well, or, or I'm assuming that Tori Amos sounds a lot like Kate Bush. So I told the wife, I was like, I just kind of want to listen to like Cornflake Girl now and stuff. I don't necessarily want to hear this Kate Bush anymore. So, yeah, she's definitely a no for me. Obviously influential, influential on on Tori Amos, who uh, put out a couple of good albums back in the day. But, uh, but yeah, no no one Kate Bush. Uh, yeah, so what would her biggest hit be? If she influenced uh, Tori Amos, I think that's kind of a strike against her in getting in. Oh, <laughs> hey! Um, uh, I don't know anything about her other than her name does sound familiar as all shit. You know, what's her biggest button. Spotify play track, huh? Uh, a, a song called "Weathering Heights," twenty-eight okay. million plays, and uh, twenty-eight the only I- million plays, and I have no idea what it is. Judging by her her bio, it was written with uh, David Gilmore of the of Pink Floyd. Uh, so I mean that you know, and that was back in nineteen you know back in nineteen hundreds back when yeah. Well, <laughs> we were, uh, <laughs> like most people, the only thing I do know about her is that she attended Saint Joseph's Covenant Grammar School, which, as we both know, was a Catholic girls' school in Woodridge Road, Abbey Wood, South London, during the in the mid seventies. That's when she went. So. Uh, anything more on that, that, that <laughs> she, uh, well she also accused herself by playing an organ in the barn behind her parents house you know and by the time she was a teenager she was writing songs of her own I mean, you know, I mean what, what what do we know about her I mean what do we truly when know do we get her? the Kate Bush vault where those 13 year old accordion behind the barn songs come out huh? <laughs> and how much to get Kate uh, Bush to deliver it to your house yeah not soon enough and it'll cost about 2850 for that so so coming out of that, then um, I, I, this one should be a little fun for us. I, at least uh, he's he's a great actor, LL Cool J. What the hell is this guy doing on the list? Wow, I didn't realize you had him in the also Rands category, but uh, I will say. Oh, that, we, oh, we have our first disagreement, people. I think our, our first disagreement is. Ding, the, uh, ding. <laughs> <laughs> Toomey said, knock you out. What do you, what do you Toomey got, Toomey? Said, knock you. L O Cool J falls under the category of if you're gonna have NWA in, if you're gonna have Tupac in, you gotta have some L O Cool J in. Uh, nope. Going back, you know, going back to Cali, I need my radio. Mama nope. said, "Knock you out." Like all that stuff was was just the jams back in the day. And uh, you know, I had all that stuff as a kid. And and you know, hey, he did it with Rick Rubin and all that stuff too. So uh, yeah, L O Cool J for me is uh, if you're, it's one of those. It falls under the category of you know, if you're gonna have NWA in, you're gonna have Tupac in. You gotta have one of the forefathers, and that's L O Cool J. If he was in NWA, I'd be okay with it. But uh, he's always just been LL Cool J. He, you know, he's just another round-the-way girl. This guy really had no real worldwide notoriety until he became an actor. 
I don't you really think he, he, you really don't think that like going back to Cali and I need my radio and all that stuff didn't wasn't uh, uh, popular enough for you to, to, to notice him prior to him being an actor. I think all he ever had was, oh, I, I definitely knew who he was before he was an actor, but my mom didn't. My sisters didn't. Most people I know didn't. Uh, Mama said Nakia. Look, I actually don't. I, I like a couple of his tracks, like that one. I like Round the Way Girl, but I, I just don't think this is like. I mean, we're this guy was kind of a. I don't know. He was like second or third tier during rap during his heyday. I mean, he was he was behind everybody. I mean, my God, he couldn't keep up with Vanilla Ice or Snow. <laughs> Or uh, who's that guy who did Informer? I love Informer. That's no snow. Oh, wait, no, not, not Informer. Uh, here come the hot steppers, what I meant. Uh, easy Kamuzi. Still yeah, you, not as good as LL Cool J. Yeah, I, I would. I will definitely put LL Cool J higher on the totem pole of getting in, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame over Eni Kamuzi. But Eni uh, Kamuzi at least has that timeless hit. There really isn't that signature song from LL, and there wasn't that influence uh, that uh, an artist like N.W.A. or um, who's the other big one that's in there? Uh, uh, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, Public Enemy. There isn't anything like that. Uh, he wasn't a pioneer, and he doesn't have that 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 giant catalog. I mean, he might as well. He's basically the male Queen Latifah. I, I think I disagree with you on him being a uh, pioneer. I think he was doing this way before a lot of people were doing it. I mean, the 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 uh, sit-ups. Yeah, well, he was doing a lot of sit-ups, a lot of uh, <laughs> licking his lips, a lot of you know eating ice cream very seductively. But I think that he did you know, kind of pioneer the goat rope, didn't he? The, the donkey chain. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you got that. You got the track suits and the uh, kangos and and all that stuff. So he was, you know, he was making beats in his, uh, nice. you know, in, in his apartment. And you know, Rick Rubin came to check him out and all that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of history to that guy. And uh, and you know, and you sit there and tell me he doesn't have like that signature hit. But I mean, every time. You know, every time the Vikings are down six in the fourth quarter, I mean, you know, you I know you look at the at your lovely wife there and say, hey, don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. You know, you, you say that every time. So, so he's. You know what? I, I, I wish my wife was here so she could tell you what I say to her during a football game. Um, it is I'm not sure remotely. Don't talk to me, woman. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm more polite than that. But you're now you're you're getting closer. I might I might say don't call it a comeback as I'm drunkenly running out into the street and yelling at like a neighbor Packer fan or something. But not not to my wife. Uh, she doesn't she doesn't care about sports enough to even know what the or LL Cool J for me to to do that. But you know what? Fine. Actually, you've kind of turned me a little bit that maybe he at least deserves to be nominated. 
since you're the you're the you're the big backer, what uh, LL, LL Cool J song should we uh, with share the, with the listeners? Let's go with the great "I Can't Live Without My Radio." Joshua Toomey, uh, if you if you didn't already know, they are an American funk band based in New Orleans, Louisiana. The band formed and recorded their own music from the late 60s all the way up until Elvis's death in 1977. I threw in the Elvis thing. What do you got about what do you got on the meters? Uh, my notes here say that the meters are New Orleans funk and then I wrote the word eh. <laughs> okay. So yeah, no one the meters moving on. That brings us to the Moody Blues, one of my uh, um, mother-in-law's favorite artists. So that's an automatic no for Baco. Uh, what do you got on these guys? I, I I don't I have I have their greatest hits and I can enjoy it I suppose. Yeah, the one thing I mean uh, that's another one of those where you go to Spotify and you're like, oh yeah, that's the uh, the Knights and White Satin Band, and that's a great <laughs> tune. Other than that, I was I was pretty much lost on the rest of their catalog. I will say that uh, the song "Your Wildest Dreams" has a cool Galaga sample at the beginning of it, and I was like, "Hey, they're, they're rocking some uh, they're rocking some Atari there." So I'll, I'll give them that much that they were sampling the Atari back in the day. But other than that, yeah, that's a no for me. They had a song I dug a lot called "The Story in Your Eyes," but also the one you just mentioned. Um, uh, well, uh, well, let me say it again. They had a song that I liked a lot called uh, The Music to the Story of Your Eyes. Uh, of course, we know the song Tuesday Afternoon. 
which uh, is literally is about as exciting as your typical Tuesday afternoon. They must have written it on a Tuesday afternoon, listened to it and said, that sounds like a fucking Tuesday afternoon. I don't know. And by the way, uh, we should say the official nomination is Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. And the fact (laughs) Shaka Khan? Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. The fact that you have to put featuring, it should be an automatic disqualification. This is like pandering to, uh, I don't know, somebody who's on the the board. There's no way... Fucking Rufus! I don't know any goddamn song by them. I yeah, just know do. that that what song? Tell me something good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anything else? That was, uh, no, that's it. But uh, that, yeah, that was a good jam. Uh, that was another one of those that I sat down with Spotify and I was like, all right, here we go. I was like, I know this one, and then after that, I was like, I'm I'm done. But uh, yeah, tell me something good. That was a, that was a jam, and then Shaka Khan. On her own, you know, all I know about her is the (laughs) written by Prince, by the way. There you go. Um, uh, Well, let me ask you this. Uh, You you know what uh, you you know who Shaka Khan is, right? Yeah, because of the Shaka Khan. Okay, (laughs) then uh, here's the question. Okay. Would you? Hmm. I don't know if I know what she looks like enough to to know if I would. Okay. A time machine, uh, definitely. I'm not. she got a little chunky in this in the '80s, uh, but uh, pro- yeah, whatever. I probably definitely would have. I probably would have at the time, especially because I would have been like 15 or 16 and just I don't know, <laughs> popping a boner at every freaking <laughs> open door or something. Oh my god, it was amazing what would turn you on when you're going through puberty. Uh, let's wrap did you, up. Did you guys uh, hang on? Hang on. Did you guys yeah. recently talk about boners and getting awkward boners in class? And oh stuff? yeah, yeah. We covered all okay. that. Because there was there was a part where I, I think I wanted to like I, I wish I could have called in. Like if you guys were a live show, I would have called in because like I remember let's in hear the it. Yeah. Uh, in the seventh grade first period at the end of first period every day. I would get an awkward boner, <laughs> and and I would have to like walk out of the room with my book in front of my pants, and uh, and I think I think I agreed with you. I think I went up with it. Instead oh, of I was down, just about so. to ask you, were you the tuck up? That was the move. It still yeah. wasn't easy to walk, but at least uh, it kind of kept it flat to the body. 
Uh, right, flat to the body, and then you put the science <laughs> book kind of in front of it too. So, so yeah, that was uh, that was every day first period in uh, seventh grade. There has been a lot of <laughs> dick talk on Cobras and Fire the last few <laughs> episodes. So I'm I'm glad you uh, you you brought that up and we kept it going. Um, Luce will definitely uh, appreciate that. So um, the important thing that is that here at Cobras and Fire, we're trying to bring people all together and realize that uh, yeah, it's been tough. <laughs> For all of us, <laughs> jerk socks, awkward boners. Um, I, I just want my own special, like Ken Mills got. Like, you know, when do I get the? Uh, oh, do you have I a jerk sock story? We'll definitely set something up. <laughs> or you want to? Or do you have a uh, a more elongated <laughs> uh, hey. boner story that you awkward boner story you'd like to do a, a special kind of side episode? <laughs> uh, well, I'll have, to, I'll have to find something for that. Um, well, would you uh, like to get back into this, or should we can? Take yeah, let's get back into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, not the uh, Awkward Boner Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, hey, maybe someday you and I will uh, will we'll be uh, members of the Awkward Boner Hall of Fame, <laughs> or the uh, A B H O F. <laughs> there we go. I like it. All right, up next on the what the hell is this? Is Nina Simone? Um, I assumed it was somebody that it wasn't. And I, I found that out initially when she was black. So I don't know. <laughs> I saw the picture when I pulled it up. I don't know anything about Nina Simone. What did you find out on your, uh, your uh, Spotify search? Well, Nina Simone was born Eunice Kathleen Wayman. <laughs> but, uh, but Kathy you, to you her friends. Know. Yeah, Kathy, and then she went on to be Nina Simone. Um, she, the the main song is obviously "Feeling Good." Uh, it's one of those songs that you've heard in every romantic movie, romantic comedy. Um, and any, any time that you and your lovely wife are now watching football together, sitting there watching one of her, her rom-coms, uh, the <laughs> song Feeling Good has been played at some point. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then uh, even a few other songs on the, uh, the Spotify kind of came, came across. as like, oh, yeah, I think I remember this from the movie Serendipity or something. So, okay. yeah, the, uh, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I mean, you, you know the songs. You might not know who sang the songs. And she had a really she has a great voice and all that stuff. But, yeah, still a no. Not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe the uh, Rom-Com Hall of Fame. Uh, okay. Well, uh, but uh, she, she definitely had some solid hits, huh? Yeah, definitely. You, it's one of those like, oh yeah, you definitely have to uh, hit play on a couple of those tracks and be like, oh, okay, I got you. Sister Rosetta Tharp might have had the best name on the list, and I, I mean, she looks like I don't know something out of that movie The Help, and I'm not talking about the <laughs> the ginger girl Emma Stone. Uh, Emma Stone. Oh, if she looked like Emma Stone, I would have put her in no matter what. So. Oh, here we go. Anyway, um, uh, Sister well, Rosetta Tharp, born uh, March 20th, 1915, uh, became a recording artist in uh, 1933, I believe, or 38. And uh, I, I will say that she, she was a pioneer in the, you know, she was African American. Yeah. She was a female guitar player, singer, obviously a little bit more on the uh, the gospel side, but I, uh, I guess one of her claims to fame was that she brought kind of secular music or brought the gospel, the southern gospel, into secular music. And uh, she had a few hits here and there, but um, like the few songs I listened to by her, I was actually really surprised. Like her, uh, her phrasing on a song called, uh, you're going to have to play just the first verse of the song called Rock Daniel. <laughs> Meeting tonight. Tonight. 
got a whole meeting tonight. Tonight, tonight. Got a whole meeting tonight. So we can straighten out the business at hand. Yes, we are gonna learn a new thing. We are gonna learn a new thing. We are gonna learn a new thing. A rhythm and a rock. And a rock start rhythm. So we come out tonight. I said we come out tonight. You know we come out tonight. pretty cool and then she has a like a rockin' solo uh she's kind of like an early early shredder huh. back in the uh you know back in the 30s so i was you know i thought it was pretty cool i don't know you know maybe if she could get in on a uh contributor's ballad or something but she was definitely uh way 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 ahead of her time kind of like that uh was that the alabama shakes or something like that like probably like a like an early version of that okay i'm officially putting her in that was the um, that was the first group of uh, kind of what we what you like you you coined the also rans or whatever. Just that first round of ones that, uh, well, I mean for the most part we agreed we're like we're not really sure how they got on the ballot or or why we should be thinking about them. Yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, pass on most of these, and uh, we'll go on to the uh, next tier. What, what are you going to call this tier? I don't know the middle middle group. Ooh. Yeah, I just came hey. up with that. Copyright like Baco. You got Suck a patent on that? Uh, I will soon, Gene Simmons. I'm going <laughs> to trademark middle group. Because I can. <laughs> At least people are talking about me. Oh, well, let's get into kind of a big one, I think. Uh, Depeche okay. Mode. All right, Depeche Mode. We hit on them last um, year. They were they were also in the ballot then. Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, they were definitely on there. And uh, this one, I almost want to lump in with the Eurythmics. And, you know, okay. both kind of ushered, ushered in like that electronic goth sound. And I think what's going to happen here is kind of like when uh, with like the Pro Football Hall of Fame kind of make that comparison. But the Pro Football Hall of Fame will have too many uh, wide receivers. Yeah, like like Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, and you know they'll cancel each other out, kind of thing. Like they're both great, but they're not. You know, one's probably not going to get in because of the other one type deal. And uh, I think I think that's probably what's going to happen here with with this. You know, these two these two uh, bands. If you like one, you might not like the other. Uh, but Depeche Mode itself, uh, a few hits. You know, obviously personal Jesus and stuff like that. And then uh, you know, uh, people are people. You know that that just whole like that wave of uh, you know the, kind of the early days of the electronic goth sound. And he, uh, the, the singer David Gahan did a lot of heroin too. Well, oh, he's in. So who do you actually think though? I mean, would you put uh, 
Depeche in over Eurythmics? That they, I thought Depeche came just a little bit later. Well, I'll say with the like, if we want to jump onto the Eurythmics, the like obviously Sweet Dreams is a, is like one of my favorite songs as a kid. Even obviously prior to Marilyn Manson covering it, but like as a kid, I was a big fan of like this band. But then I actually looked into it, and the Eurythmics themselves didn't have a ton of hits. But Annie Lennox on her own, she almost had more hits solo, like uh, uh, Walking on Broken Glass, No More I Love You. Is like she had a pretty successful solo career. Yeah. That was almost that almost outshines her original band. Um, obviously, I just I was a big fan of like those like even like Hall and Oates, Maneater, and, and Sweet Dreams like that era. It was kind of like yeah. you know. Like, like scary pop or something because Maneater I, yeah I, there was a lot of really cool stuff let's take a little sideway on that what was that uh, Send Me an Angel was around that time um, yeah, uh, you had uh, Men at Work with uh, even that there, Men at Work's second record had that 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 this is the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. J- Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive I think it was called <laughs> nice. um, but yeah they had uh, before that what was their big ones um, Land Down Under was kind of a little edgy and uh, yeah. and of course, you know my favorite child molester, Michael Jackson, had the whole Thriller album out at that time. Um, oh god, yeah, that yeah, was, was, was like, that was a really fun like, time for pop. Very, I mean, the stuff was iconic. Yeah, Huey Lewis and the News, I Want a New Drug was actually an edgy track at the time. They oh, they yeah. they were trying to to get the song. MTV wouldn't play it like before five p.m. for a while, and like radio stations <laughs> wouldn't play it unless it was the evening. And the ra- the record company, the rumor was now a lot of this stuff is all like fodder just to get press. But the in that vein, just to show you how, how it worked at the time, they wanted him to change the name of the song to "I Want a New I Want a New Drug Called Love." <laughs> and that's all in that same time frame you're talking about. And that was a, I, I I'm not a big um, current pop guy, although I think it might be making a comeback a little bit. But we're not talking about that. I love pop music from the late 70s and pretty much through the 80s, you know. Even the softer stuff, at least it stands out and is timeless almost, like Lionel Richie and Wham and, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I mean, yeah, and then Wham, there's the one, like, George Michael went off and became kind of a... Everything he did was controversial, and that guy did some of the softest fucking music out there, you know. Right. Yeah, he's so, up- yeah, so... So with with both of these bands, I, I don't think that they're in, but I think that they're, you know, they in like an '80s pop Hall of Fame, yes, but like the overall landscape of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't I don't think that they belong. Yeah, I'm with you, and maybe at this point, since we are kind of getting to the more notable acts, uh, let's start calling it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think either one gets in. Um, if one does, it's going to be Depeche over Eurythmics, even though. If I was picking, I'd probably put the Eurythmics just because I enjoy them slightly more. Right. And and you've also kind of got the, uh, also with Annie Lennox, too, with her kind of an androgynous look. I mean, she almost kind of looked like a, like a, like the female David Bowie or something. So, I mean, she got a cool look about her, too. And, a bit and of I a pioneer. Where, I mean, and a, a yeah. phenomenal artist. Just a great yes. singer. Uh, I don't know much about her Eurythmics partner, if they were lovers or anything like that. But Dave Stewart, I think his name was. And uh, I know his daughter was just playing Warp Tour two years ago. Oh so, wow! So R.I.P. Warp Tour. The uh, R.I.P. Warp Tour right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, that's kind of sad, isn't it? It is sad. You know, I, it's been around so long. Now you kind of almost take it for granted. 
right? It'll 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 still be, I think, a destination festival. I mean, the way that they worded all the stuff, it'll it'll end up being a, uh, you know, one, you know how Lollapalooza or even Ozfest and Notfest make it now. Yeah, I mean that is kind of the way things are going. Because um, if you go back to when Warp started, you had Ozfest and Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza was kind of on its last legs as Ozfest came in, or shortly after. Warped was right. in there somewhere around that time. But in the last, I don't know, 10 years, destination festivals have really become a thing in the United States, much like it is in Europe. And so I, I guess if you look at it that way, they help spawn the whole festival scene, if nothing else. Okay, with that said, let's talk about the Dire Straits, one of your favorites. <laughs> uh, the Dire Straits. Um, you know, it's funny. I was listening to uh, uh, Money for Nothing. And, you know, maybe they're not going to get in just for the simple fact that they have the word faggot in their song. And the, the PC culture that we have now uh, will probably just uh, kind of go back on them. And uh, and if, if, they, if they get in, maybe it'll, it'll have a resurgence of that song. And the next thing you know, they'll be they'll be blasted by all of the uh, all the millennials. I'm actually all for it now. Let's put them in just for that. Um <laughs> Because context is important, it seems like we have lost context. And I, I don't want to get specific and, and, and be misinterpreted, which will probably happen anyway, as, as minimizing uh, the seriousness of a lot of things that are going on. But he was not calling anybody a faggot in the song. He was using the word faggot. Any more than a movie that's, that's like a period piece and uses the N-word, notice I'm afraid to say it. Right. Um. But, but in the context of the movie, and it's taking place, if a slave owner is talking to his slave and he says that, you understand that that's not the actor actually saying that, that, that he believes those words. He's playing the character. And yeah, the, when they say the little faggot got his own jet airplane, that little faggot, he's a millionaire, he's sarcastically making fun of the people like the rednecks who make fun of rock stars for their long hair, kind of like uh, Bob Seger did in um, Turn the Page, where he's like, you walk into a restaurant and you're, you're, you're strung up from the road, and you, you feel the eyes upon you as you're shaking off your cold, uh, the sweat flows around your body, and you just want to explode. It's people looking at you and saying, yeah, there goes that long-haired musician faggot, and that's what he's saying in the song. But, of course, I think in this modern day and age, nobody would accept that. The song was edited for radio. What did they? I don't remember what it was. Oh, I don't remember what they changed it to. I, even if they just just edited the word out and it's just a blank one or something. But uh, it was definitely will, before that. That just blanking the word out. They had a second. The little something's got his own jet airplane. Anyway, but I will say that the money for nothing riff alone should have them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like that really? intro riff. Oh, it's so good. Like, it is so play. good. And it's so hard to play.
it's one of the best in rock history. Well, there you go. But it's that's what it's this is all about: rock and roll history. Of course, I was willing to put <laughs> "kiss" in for one lyric. <laughs> all right. Well, you you've got me swinging. I I don't think they get in. Do you? No, I, I don't have them in. I'm just saying that 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 intro riff and good old Mark Knopfler himself. I uh, you know, the, you 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 could almost have that was a that, great he, time too. Like you basically had ahead. your hard rocker guys, and then you had like these rock guys that could actually fucking rock, but they they dressed like a gym and and looked like a gym teacher trying to look cool. Mark Knopfler is like the the geekiest weirdest looking guy, and he wore that weird headband and and jumpsuit and or some super weird '80s suit with a skinny tie and. A lot of bright, oh, yeah, bright colors and, and thinning, really thinning hair on top. Uh, it was all about the music with him, man. He, uh, which is why their first, yeah, remember their video was uh, groundbreaking too with the, the 3D animation. Yeah, it looks like a Minecraft video. <laughs> you know, Minecraft is popular 25 years later or 30 years later, and uh, that's crazy. <laughs> That's a great comparison, man. Well, before that, what was their big hit? Uh, Sultan's a Swing. Uh, and then, like ten yep. years later, that came out. And that also, that record also had uh, "Walk of Life." And uh, mm-hmm. was there any other hits off that that you recall? No. I mean, I'm older than you. <laughs> I was actually listening to the radio at the time. So up next, we go with the uh, Jay Giles Band. And uh, here, man, I've, I've got they've they've got a couple of hits. Obviously, Centerfold and, and those type of songs. But like, no. It'd be, it'd be cool if we could whistle <laughs> that together. That would be cool, but that's that would take a lot of uh, a lot that's, of technology. By the way, that, that song is pretty much basically entirely yeah, about say, awkward boners. <laughs> In high school, we could do our awkward boners together. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure we didn't know, but we did. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think you were like graduating college when I was in the seventh grade. Oh! But, uh, the, <laughs> my 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 old bones hurt. Even more. Oh, the osteoporosis kicked yeah. in. <laughs> uh, all I've got written down is a couple of hits, but uh, nothing crazy. Nothing makes me want to say that they should be in. But I do hear uh, a lot of the, the 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 programs I listen to, podcasts I listen to. Yeah. Uh, they, they talk about Jay Giles. Like I think they were opening for. Were they opening for Kiss? They were opening for somebody, and supposedly just like blowing them off the stage. So. Uh, maybe they were a good band at one point, but uh, I don't, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the hype. Well, I know that our good friend Michael Butler is a huge fan of uh, uh, Peter Wolf, the singer. Uh, I, I have not heard his thoughts on Jay Giles. Pers- Jay Giles, the band, they have the album Centerfold, which is a pretty good album, but it's not like ACDC Back in Black good or Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction good. It's more Ario Speedwagon high fid- high high infidelity good. Uh, so nice, I, I can see that. For that, I will say that's kind of their their peak, and the 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 climb up was quick, and the fall down was just as quick. Great band, I suppose. I really don't know. Um, there's a song called Piss on the Wall that I like. Now so 
had any influence, it would be that harmonica and saxophone sales in Massachusetts spiked in 1982. Well, congratulations to the Jay Giles Band and uh, maybe the forefathers of the East Coast punk scene or East Coast ska scene. And <laughs> put a lot of saxophones oh, maybe yeah, in, in, a, yeah. in a, you know, the, the, the father's garage. Kids stumble upon it. Next thing you know, the mighty, mighty Boston's pop up. So Nice. Well played to me. Thank well you. That was all off the top of my head. I'm, I'm a... Hey, how are things going with your co-host, John Drake? It seems like you, uh, you're starting to mesh and uh, you, you guys have that kind of uh, mind meld that Luce and I have at times. Uh, man, I'm, I'm digging having the co-host. I was, uh, you know, I tried it once with the with you know Mike from uh, Off Our Meds podcast and uh, DG Rock Photography, and uh, you know, I, as much as I love Mike, uh, maybe he just wasn't in, you know into the podcasting side of it all. Sure. But John's come along, and uh, you know, he does a great Star Wars podcast called the Nerf Herder Council. Uh, John had uh, filled in on the Classic Metal Show a few times uh, when one of their co-hosts was out, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this guy to be on my show. And uh, he's he's definitely you know he's down for it he's into it you know he's I think that's what you kind of have to have because there's not a whole lot of lot of lot of love and accolades that come from doing this each week so uh, you know that's that's good to hear but uh, I can't fucking stand the guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I'm kidding actually it's it, it's it's nice right to have like a, a second voice I um uh, I've had to tone down like when 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 Luce and I we have our two bits asshole radio and. Uh, Ripe, ripe, ripe rock. rock. The ripe there rock. Go. Yeah. Uh, God. Man, I'm a bigger fan of your show than you are. <laughs> I I know on my end, like the first couple times I did it uh, by myself, I was like, it's just, just it, say the songs, say something that you think is funny, and then move on. It's difficult. It's a lot easier when you're bouncing between another human being, right? Yeah, I've liked it. I mean, we, we, we're getting more into, you know, like, let's have a couple of topics to talk about. Uh, the, the episode that'll be out. Uh, I guess by the time your episode will be out, this will be my, our latest episode will be out. But we, we talked about uh, uh, Darren from System of a Down, <coughs> Jesus, uh, talking about uh, you know, kind of praising Charles Manson <laughs> and, uh, and, and the pros and cons of that. And then we also talked pros. about. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, Gene Simmons just came out and whatever he got. He got in trouble for Fox News. said said some pretty dumb things about women who want to work, and someone was talking. And this is what drives me crazy. This is always the comeback of the mindless, the brain numb. They're like, "But you're talking about him, aren't you?" I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck you!" You know, if you don't have an opinion, if you don't have a thought, shut the fuck up. If the best you can come back with. Yeah, but you're talking about him, aren't you? Just, just honest to God, go fucking bury your head up somebody's ass because you are contributing nothing. My God, is it okay to have a conversation and talk about things and have an actual thought, an actual opinion, and share that and then maybe disagree with it? My God, you might as well turn into Eddie Trunk and say, what a lot of people don't understand is, fuck you. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, you know what? That's If anything, that's all he was going for here, if he thought about it at all. He was like, hey, this is a way to get people talking about my stupid ass again. I don't get it. You know, uh, I, I think I, ar I argued the side of Darren and not necessarily that I agree with with 
loving Charles Manson. I'm following and you. But, but, but I was like, can you, can you separate the art from the artist? If you Not when it's believe- Charles Manson. But our our society loves the bad guy. Our society loves Billy the Kid and and all those guys. Those guys were murderers. But like you know, every Halloween point. and whatnot, people are loving the old cowboys from the old west that shot up people. And everybody loves the Joker and everybody loves the bad guy. And you know, Charles Manson just happens to be kind of like closer to our timeline. Charles our, Manson our seems more real. You know what I mean? Yeah, Billy the Kid does he, seem like the Joker in a Batman movie or Darth yeah. Vader. You know, I, yeah. you got a valid point, though. I'm just saying, the guy's fucking Charles Manson. He get, you don't get to go, well, you know, actually, he wrote a couple good songs, and you know, he's a pretty good lyricist. Well, one of the right. bands uh, he had to inspire, or probably not, I have no idea. Uh, I'm just doing a hard left here on Cobras and Fire. And that is the MC5. We touched on these guys last year, too. Uh, I thought they were going to be a lock, and they did not get in. Where are you at with these? By the way, they're not a lock for me personally. I just figured they were kind of the, yeah, the that too. critics' uh, darling. You know? I would say like way ahead of their time. Uh, the one thing I, I did notice, I mean, they were doing this uh, kind of the whole punk rock deal yeah. in like, late 60s. And I was, play- I was playing this stuff earlier, kind of writing some notes down, and uh, – you know, the wife walked through the room and I was like, what do you think about this? And she was like, kind of like, ah, but I was like, yeah, but you got to think they were doing this in like 1966. I mean, that was crazy to hear like, you know, guitars sounding like that yep. uh, during that time period. It's weird that like, you know, punk rock is kind of uh, stamped into the like 75 on when really there was a lot of garage rock that was really more the pioneer of punk rock in the late 60s because it wasn't just them. Um God, the Trashmen. I mean, that, that was another band that did that. What was their song? Mm-hmm. I just like, did, no idea. Did, did, did they do the bird? Huh, that's odd. I thought that would be big news. You thought what would be big news? Well, there seems to be an absence of a certain ornithological piece. A headline regarding mass awareness of a certain avian variety. What are you talking about? Oh, have you not heard? It was my understanding that everyone had heard. Heard what? Brian, don't! Brian, don't you know about the bird? Well, Peter's gonna tell you about the bird. Well, a bird, bird, the bird, well, a well, a bird. Oh my god, Peter, are you alright? Back to the MC5, obviously a Detroit band. I don't know why I said obviously, but they are a Detroit band. And I only know that song we played last year, Kick Out the Jams. What do you got on them? Uh, that's the same. I mean, I didn't really, you know, that was another one of those kind of going through it. I hadn't really heard anything else, uh, you know, that, that jumped out at me. And even that song didn't even like, Yeah, resonate. it doesn't do much that's, for me, so. yeah. Well, you do know the Rage Against the Machine covered Kick Out the Jams on their uh, Renegades album.
everyone. This is Loose Cannon joining in on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame episode with the great Josh Toomey and Bucko. So, because I care so much about this subject, I'm not even using my real mic. I'm recording to my iPhone in my car at work the day after Thanksgiving. Why? Because I have zero respect for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a ploy to sell admission to a museum, to sell merchandise, and to completely shame the whole concept of rock. You could not be more... I can't think of something more on rock and roll than the Hall of Fame. We're talking about a celebration that's that's held in a conference room at a hotel over the years where industry sit at overpriced tables. There's a stale, complete corporate uh, feel to the event. The performances sometimes are great as far as the ceremony goes, but the actual legitimacy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is zero. I hate it. It's stupid. And I have just as much passion for doing this little clip that I've been forced into is doing the non-Kiss Kiss Albums episode. So, Baco, I'm doing this, but I do it with hesitation and under pressure. So understand that. Now, let's bust through these. Here are the 19 nominees and my opinion on them. Bon Jovi. I have never seen a greatest hits band more than Bon Jovi or a band that's, that's wanted to distance themselves from what made them famous. Uh, Def Leppard comes close. Joe Elliott's conversations about trying to distance himself from, from the albums that made them great. But uh, also a band that I've never, that doesn't have any, any deep tracks. They are only a band that ha- that's, that's, that's decent to good songs or our greatest hits. That's it. They have put out nothing but drivel for the last 25 years. Next, Kate Bush, Don't Care, Boring. The Cars, In. I'll tell you why. I think they should be in, one, because Rick Ocasek has produced the good Weezer albums, as well as the fact that he pulled, talk about a get, Paulina Poroskova. This woman adorned my wall as a youth in my formative years. The fact that he got her, married her, and he's as attractive as a troll means that is an example of the power of rock and roll. Now, Depeche Mode, eh, I say no. I understand they're somewhat innovative, but pass. Dire Straits, in 100%. Just for money, for nothing alone, the video, the I Want My MTV, the riff, I never tire of the song, ever. It's a spectacular rock song. I've never listened to their albums in full, but I'm sure they're legit. They are rock and roll in. Jay Giles Band, Put Me to Sleep. No idea what they, what they sing. I think they're, did they sing Jesse's Girl? Probably not. I don't care. They're one of these bands that are on classic rock radio that you're just like, why are they famous? Don't know. Judas Priest, are you kidding me? They had a, a, a terrible movie. They had Marky Mark in it. Where in the credits, he, 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 was, he was breakdancing. Come on. In, even if I hated this band, the fact that they were a part of the new wave of British heavy metal or whatever that acronym is, is, they should be in. And they should have been in a long time ago. Of course, Judas Priest. Next, MC5. They kicked out the jams. And I think that's all they kicked out. I have no idea what else they did. It's one of those bands that, that you know, they say, oh, they're great because they're from Detroit and they did, you know, some punk or whatever the, the hell that their form of music was. Don't care. And they've been nominated since 2003 several times. The Meters. No. 
Who are they? Moody Blues. I think this band is even more boring than the Jay Giles band. No. And then we come to my, my, uh, my, one of my most handed, it might be my most hated band of all time, the Critics Darling, the reinventors of rock in a way that they've reinvented the wheel and turned it into a square wheel, which is less effective than the wheels that Fred Flintstone had. And that is Radiohead. Despise this band. Unlistenable music, a terrible lead singer. Uh, they are the five people you'd meet in a coffee house that would be having an annoying conversation next to you that you'd have to leave because they'd be talking about nothing but hipster bullshit. Despise them? Gone. No. Rage Against the Machine? I'm going to say no. They've only had one really good album, their debut. They declined. The second album is pretty much unlistenable except for Bulls on Parade and the two other ones. You know, you've got Gorilla Radio on the third, a few tracks, but a lot of their songs are excuses for Tom Morello to just wail on his, his you know, intricate guitar solos. But the songs itself, no, not enough. Three albums and breaking up with, with not good second and third albums does not make a nominee. Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. If your name is Rufus and you name your band that or, or some variation of it, you're not rock and roll. Nina Simone, no idea who she is, nor do I know who sister Rosetta Tharp is or Link Ray. Shouldn't you at least recognize their names for them to be in any kind of hall? doesn't matter if it's study hall. The Zombies, terrible haircuts. They look like a Beatles wannabe band. I'm sure their music is horrible and boring, but, but Rolling Stone probably commended all their albums and gave them five stars. All right, so we've got one more nominee to go, but I want to take special mention to talk about somebody that was overlooked, a complete sin, a tragedy of rock, and that is Joe Tex, who was not on the list this year and is what rock and roll is all about. He is someone that will not bump with no big fat woman. His music is incredible. He is a favorite of ours on, on Cobras and Fire. And lastly, LL Cool J. I don't care what you're opinions are about rappers not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's at least more rock than Sister Rosetta Tharp and Link Ray. And first three albums, Radio, I'm Bad, Mama Said Knock You Out. Mama Said Knock You Out is rock. Those three albums are great rap albums. So we're going to play out of this little rant with a little snippet of Joe Tex. And all of a sudden, I sound better. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we got Fred Lincoln. He likes to go by the name Link Ray. Uh, he uh, pops in and out of the uh, inductions. And, well, um, I don't know much about the guy. I know he's credited with uh, starting the power cord. Yeah, that's the only note I have written out is invented the power cord. So, uh, and, I, and I know I read some other stuff about like Pete Townsend saying there wouldn't have been a uh, the Who without uh, without Link Ray and some stuff like that. So, you know, I guess if he gets in, it's over the uh, you know in, influential side of it, not necessarily anything else. It's, yeah, it definitely would have to be all influence. It's almost like if Eddie Van Halen was never in Van Halen but invented finger tapping. Where would we be? And you know? using power drill and using power drills and stuff. Oh sure, yeah. Um, 
I yeah, I I really wish because it sounds like if if he was the guy like involved in the power chord, that's a big part of the the music you and I are, are have played. Uh, yes, and so I I don't, but it's a chord. I mean, did how can how can you invent a chord? I mean, were people truly not using the power chord like you know back in the day? Was that an actual thing that he uh, quote unquote came came up with, or was it uh, you know just credited as inventing the power chord? I just, I just, I, I do feel like that uh, someone along the lines, you know, the guitar has been around for a long time. You know, how, how, why did it take so long for someone to figure out the power chord? So it's a very key element in rock music because it makes it easy to to dance and shake your hips and run around and also hit notes that you maybe couldn't hit as easily. You could shift from a low to a high. There is some elements to that that are pretty, pretty important, I suppose. But yeah, it's like, how do you kind of claim to have invented something that existed? When you have to explain why you're talking about somebody, are they a Hall of Famer? I would say no. I'd say he might get in on the uh, the, the contributor ballot, but not the, uh, you know, nothing he actually did musically, I don't think gets him in. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm uh, honestly, I've decided that I'm rooting for him to get in just because he's an oddball and nobody knows who the fuck <laughs> he is. Uh, and it, it, he's tied to, you know, basically rock and hard rock, Bas- the guitar, the base of what yeah. everything, you know, in, in, in the truest spirit, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should have nobody that doesn't have any connection to something involving a guitar. Uh, it, I'll, with that, I think I'm just I just want him to go in. Fuck it. But no, he ain't getting in. <laughs> right. All right, one last one and then we get to the headliners. Uh this is Oh yeah, that's what we should have done. Kind of like the the middle act, the opening act, the middle act and the headliner. That's what we should have called this. Oh my god, we thought of it too late. The zombies. <laughs> now you're credited with inventing the order of the show. Yes, yes, uh <clears throat> trademarked uh Gene Simmons. Because right, I, because I can. <laughs> Another one of those bands that if you asked me a zombie song two weeks ago, even last year when we talked about the yeah, zombies, yeah, you said the same thing. It's the time of the season when love runs high in this time. Give it to me. And let me try with pleasured hands To take you in the sun To promise lands To show you everyone It's the time of the season for love You know, another band that was around a hundred years ago that uh that's definitely not in my wheelhouse but i did uh, the current guitar player of the zombies they have a current name, one huh his name yeah he they're out on tour they're playing shows they they actually just did a u.s tour not too long ago are you talking about rod argent i'm talking about the zombies i don't know who you're talking about oh Is no the, the guitarist band? you said the, oh tom Toomey. <laughs> <laughs> I know who Rod Argent is, by the way. Okay. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, t- Wrap up your point. Talk to me, Tom. I, I reached out to Tom Toomey 
a few weeks ago. So I, I believe he will be coming on Talk To Me at some point. Oh, you're such a dick. You got to have me on. I want to talk to him. I want to talk to Tom Toomey. You got Tom Toomey, Joshua Toomey on Talk To Me. It's it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, indeed it is. Uh, I, I can't wait for that. I'm guessing he's a bit of a noob. <laughs> That's all right. He's still. Oh, what he's if still he's your one, age? <laughs> you guys are like you know like went to junior high together, and now he's in the zombies. Yeah, oh it looks like God. he joined roughly around 2014, 2015. So, yeah. Fun fact: ninety percent of zombie movies were made after the year two thousand one. Hmm, I can see that. That is it for the uh, the middle act. Let's head to the headliners. All right. Well, who we got first, Bucko? What? Which one do you want to take? What? Do you, why don't you take the lead on this one? Uh, we'll we'll go with our good friend Bon Jovi. Good friend of the show, right? I'm sure both of us have had Bon Jovi on the podcast. Oh, man, uh, many times. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I just I was texting with him before we started, and uh, you know, he he actually told me to tell you hello, and. Um, Hmm. And, he sent me a dick but, pic. Well, yeah, the, that Bon Jovi, he's, he's known to do that. <laughs> That's our Jovi. <laughs> you know, I, I, honest to God, uh, in one of those, like, I really, really want to do this, but I really don't want to put in the work moments, I wanted to do a uh, uh, one of those uh, tribute bands that I, I despise called John Bovey. Uh, and nice. Only because I love that name. And uh, I think I can do, like... Tommy is to look on the next. I can I, I can pass as a as a as a Jovi live, um, but I don't like his music enough, and that's a lot of work. And then I th- I think at this point somebody has done a John Bovey uh, tribute band. So nice. Back nice. to you, like it. my guest. Um, Bon Jovi, I think of all of the 80s bands that are are all going to be coming up soon to get their their place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think I think oh good old Bon Jovi slash John Bon Jovi definitely deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a travesty that he's not already in the Rock and Roll Ooh. Hall of Fame. I think he uh uh, you know, he he was a hit machine in the '80s, and uh, he weathered the storm through the '90s, and uh, maybe not selling out the Giants arenas that he once sold out, but he's still pulling a decent crowd. Uh, maybe maybe people are staying home because there's no Richie Sambora, but uh, but yeah, you know, I think uh, man, slippery when wet, 7800 Fahrenheit, uh, New Jersey, all that stuff, man. Those are just some classic records.
breaking at the same time that, um, you know, all the 80s, like, Rat and Twisted Sister and all that stuff was coming out. And then they, of course, became bigger than all of them. It's it's difficult for me because the one thing I hold against them is that they were the band for everybody. They're kind of like McDonald's of hard rock. They weren't really hard, but they weren't soft either. You know, it's like, I just... <laughs> but... I'm more inclined in, at, at this stage of my life to kind of go with what you're saying. John Bon Jovi is a songwriter. Whether Richie Sambora was a big part of it or not, I really don't know. But I, I assume they worked together a lot because they got a lot of co-writes. But there was just something to him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think he's a great singer, and he's a good-looking guy, uh, a, a very passionate performer, uh, definitely worked hard at, at what he was doing. But he's also one of those guys that, like, it wasn't quite as as you know like oh just go out and play and you'll get this. I mean his his brother was a, already a record producer on major record labels. He had the in going in. Um, I'm not holding that against him because that would be unfair. I, I think he goes in. I think this year it has to be a lock. He's taking a page out of the Kiss playbook, which is to say, you know what, this fucking asshole is trying to keep me out. Fuck it, I don't care. Uh, it's only for the fans anyway. So, and that was kind of the last uh, last straw that 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 uh, got them in. So, I think they go in. Do you actually think it happens, or do you think they just deserve it? No, I'm just saying with this lineup of nominees, I think he's definitely one of the headliners of this list, and should definitely make it in this year. And, and you know, kind of kind of going back to what you said, you know, where he had, he kind of had a head start going in. I mean, if I if my uh, rock and roll musical history. Uh, serves me correct when it comes to Bon Jovi. Uh, he was working in a uh, studio, and at the at night at three o'clock in the morning, when everybody had went home, he was he was recording demos uh, and working all day at the studio, kind of sweeping up and doing the odd jobs just to get free studio time. Well, he uh, was de- do, okay. To- I'll say this: those kind of stories are bullshit. He did not sweep the floors to pay off. Four thousand dollars of studio time in 1982. You know, you, you don't work as a janitor overnight and then record the next day and then like, all right. So, well, uh, after we take out what you earned sweeping floors, um, will that be cash or credit for the remaining three thousand two hundred seventy-five dollars? <laughs> I think I've been around enough studios in my time to know that you know, if you're if you're not necessarily sweeping the floors, but maybe helping out doing some little engineering here and there and the person that owns the studio you know has a has faith in you pun intended yes uh, there we you, go you know, the, you know the, maybe they will they want uh, they, something they, on the back end they will you know give you give you a little hook up there and he did what a runaway or whatnot yeah without uh, any of the guys in the band uh, so and those those high notes and runaway at the end whoo man Uh, yeah look i i said flat out though i won't hold that against them i mean there's i mean fucking slash was babysat by lionel richie's album cover producer and david geffen i just brought it up it's like yeah kind of an edge that the reality is there's very few bands that don't have some pretty significant connection before they leave their garage absolutely drink so Judas Priest was a, a band that I like to listen to uh, on my paper route. On my, I had a little Walkman. It wasn't an official Walkman. It was a uh, uh, basically just a portable cassette player. 
and, and I listened to I had I had two other tapes that I got for Christmas in 1984, and it was Defenders of the Faith and Screaming for Vengeance, and they basically took over my ear and my headphones for about I don't know a three week period, and then I of course you know my collection with them grew beyond that, but uh, that was my introduction to them just like. Seeing T-shirts, I never heard one fucking song before I asked for it for Christmas. I was like, I gotta have a Judas Priest record, and so my I think my stepbrother bought it for me, or bought both of them for me. What about you? Never liked Judas Priest. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, they they were. I got into metal late '80s, early '90s. I got into like some heavy stuff, some stuff that was influenced by Judas Priest. And the older I've gotten, the more more I've gotten into some of the stuff they did. But my introduction to them was like Headbangers Ball when they would play, uh, you know, like the Breaking the Law video in between, you know, Morbid Angel and Pantera. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so it was it was just like it 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 didn't make any sense to me at the time. Um, I definitely think that you know they deserve to be in, they should be in, and they I think if. Uh, you know, I, th- I think if people are out there thinking properly, they will be in. I, 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 all of those boxes are checked for me. Uh, I just have never delved into the Judas Priest catalog and uh, gotten my uh, my my uh, metal cred that way. Rob Halford is up there with like Sebastian Bach for me, as far as like just premier melodic metal singer. I mean, there's just there's these certain voices that are just iconic. Like I would throw Paul Stanley in there, but I think Kiss is more hard rock than they are metal. Yeah, I got you on that one. Um, uh, but but that kind of voice and Rob Halford, I mean, and he's aged very well. Uh, I'm not one of those idiots that's going to say he sounds as good now as he ever has. No, he has. No, he doesn't. He sounds fucking <laughs> right. awesome for a guy pr- approaching 70. And why is that a crime, by the way? Why can't we just celebrate that? Like, my God, I, I, I hope I can. I mean, it's like watching. I mean, the way people talk about some of their favorite artists, it, it'd be like watching like the fastest 65-year-old in a marathon and say he's as fast as he ever is. Right. Well, ever was. Uh, no, he's not. He's just fucking really <laughs> fast for a fucking 65-year-old. Which is fucking incredible, but yeah, no. Rob Halford and Judas Priest. I, I mean, they're gonna go in probably for the the uh, British Steel era through uh, uh, Defenders of the Faith.
I think what's what's happened over the last you know ten years or so with bands like Metallica getting in and and even uh, uh, you know Black Sabbath getting in and uh, um, well like even Deep Purple and all those all those bands all the heavier Alice bands Cooper. Are starting to get in, Alice Cooper getting in all the heavier bands that are in they all now have a vote. And so I think I think from here on out we're gonna see a Judas Priest get oh, in. Oh really? You, I didn't know you, that. Did every member of Kiss has a vote now. You're saying? Yeah. So yeah, like a Kiss, a Kiss will vote for Judas Priest. Metallica is gonna vote for Judas Priest. You know, all those bands are, are now gonna have a vote every every year. And so so basically, once Judas Priest gets in, then Iron Maiden will be on the ballot. And then you know, I'm just I'm saying like the the snowball is gonna kick, you know continue to get bigger and bigger. And I think that's what that's what'll make a band like Megadeth get in. That's what'll make a band like uh, you know Slayer get in. Is once all of the uh, the 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 these early adopters of metal get in uh i think it'll it'll bring in the next wave with them all right bako let's talk a little radiohead yeah i fucking hate these guys they uh <laughs> uh i got i'm gonna go first because i think you have a different take on this based on our pre-production meeting um there are certain um attitudes or personality traits that artists can have that i just despise and this band seems to hit all of those things. Uh, they have one hit, which, by the way, doesn't disqualify them from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But that is the only song I can guarantee you, you will never hear them play live. They are smug. They, I don't even understand why they have a fan base. I've never actually met a diehard Radiohead fan. I've met people that like them. But it's just like there's no passion for these guys. And Tom York could not be a bigger fucking douchebag. Nothing about this band appeals to me. I like the song Creep, and then everything that has happened since then has just made me hate them more and more and more. I'd give me Blur, give me Oasis, and these guys can go fuck themselves. I'm not even sure if... are they? Is it more than just him? Is it the same band? Is it largely the same band? Or is it just Tom York doing what he wants and eventually weeding all the people out like Billy Corgan did with the Pumpkins? You know, on the member side of it, I don't know. I don't know if they've had very many member changes, and I don't feel like they have. But um, <laughs> it's funny, you're... you're first comments are you know you fucking hate this band because my first note is here is i was a bigger fan than i remembered uh <laughs> obviously <laughs> there's a three album hey, I, uh, I just ch- checking in here apparently yeah. it's been the same band the whole time well there you go keeping score so they, anyway uh there's a three album arc in there that uh the the ben's okay computer and kid a that uh i went back and listened to today you know in, in my metalhead days i also you know I had some other tastes too, but uh, but yeah, we I wore those albums out, and actually, you know, the uh, fake plastic trees and all that stuff off of uh, off of the bins. And uh, man, OK Computer was great. I remember being in the studio uh, recording some stuff when Kid A came out, and it kind of took me back. I don't, obviously I haven't listened to them uh, steadily over the years, but there was definitely uh, you know the, the not the first three, but the second three like two uh, albums two three and four are probably my favorites and even the uh, the song uh, creep that's on pablo honey the that album actually is not too bad either so uh i'm a bigger bigger radiohead honk than i remembered and uh just for the sheer number of uh <laughs> of tunes that i enjoyed I, i'm uh, they're on they're on my ballot to make it in the rock and roll hall of fame yeah fuck and, it they, they have to wait 
I'm sorry. Fuck you. Fuck Radiohead. <laughs> uh, you guys get in line. If Judas Priest has to wait this long, Radiohead does not get in. Of course, they're going to. Uh, which, of course, uh, every car has a radio, and if someone's driving, they have a head. So let's talk about the cars. Yes, yes, yes. The cars need to go in to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, we're both fans, correct? Absolutely, man. I love the cars. I'm shocked they're not in. Uh, because they they were popular, but they were also arty. And they had a long, sustained, you know, career. Uh, I mean, and they were huge. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And they were all, they were super influential in that whole new wave movement. I don't get it. I, I, how are they? I, I thought they were locked last year. Yeah, and Rick Ocasek just on his own, man. I, you know, I know we, we can't really uh, separate him from the band and whatnot, but I mean, you know, years and years of just writing great hit songs, and he also produced another one of my favorite albums of all time, being uh, Weezer's The Blue Album, their 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 debut album. Yeah, he's done a lot of great production. I I think you can count that as like a way of like validating the greatness of what he did prior. So yeah, like so. he didn't stop being kick ass, you know. <laughs> Hit after hit from that guy, uh, produced a lot of hits, and uh, yeah, just uh, you know, Rico Kasich and the Cars is definitely one hundred percent, you know, double, triple, triple stamp uh, need to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Triple mushroom stamp, Cobra and Fire to prove. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, car song? Just what I needed. That's a great jam. that you, you kind of look at it on, and and I think they're a shoe in but then I I, I think that they're a band that uh, what I wrote here is a band that benefits from a short career um, I think that their debut album was fantastic I think that Evil Empire was uh, a, a pretty decent follow up I wasn't I remember not being a giant fan of it when it came out 
and then the third album has a couple of good songs on it, a couple of good hits. Then they go away. Uh, you know, I think there's a covers album in there too, but they go away mm-hmm. and the mystique builds about them. And they, they were definitely influential in the entire new metal uh, era, no matter what they want to say, if they, they loved it or not with, you know, Tom Morello's uh, noises and uh, um, Zach De La Rocha's like uh, rapping and vocal style and, and uh, you know, uh, drummer bass you're players. absolutely right there yeah they were a huge influence on uh new metal yeah so i think that they were uh an amazing band very influential tom morello's guitar work is great um i, I don't know if they necessarily have the uh longevity not necessarily that you need to like the longevity of the uh, uh to be in the rock and roll hall of fame but the consistency of great albums um, you know, like I said, man, debut album's fantastic, but I think they just kind of continually got worse. So they're one of those bands. I think that <laughs> if they would have, if they would have continued going on and on and on that, you know, there's no telling where the band would have ended up, but I think they, they stopped at a good time and, uh, and now they're just out bastardizing it as profits of rage. So I cannot fucking stomach Zach De La Roca too much. Uh, I, I, I think they're frauds. I mean, more in the lyrical presentation of what they were doing. I mean, they were signed to a huge record contract on one of the biggest companies on the planet, and they were anarchists. And it's just, <laughs> it, right. it, it's just like, you know what? And the thing is, like, the people that resonated most with that message, that fuck yeah thing, were the douchiest, shirtless jocks you know what i mean this this music didn't fucking connect with you know people who are like i want social change this connected with people like yes i want to listen to rage against the machine and punch that fucking queer you know that's kind of who who this band sadly unintended consequence by the way i don't think that was ever their drive because they, I, I actually think there's there's the validity to what they were saying. At least you should, if you disagree with it, you should listen to what they were trying to say. Tom Morello would even call it a, fair, a failed experiment at one point. I love the music though. Tom Morello, a hugely influential gu- guitar player. Uh, I really enjoyed the band when when they did Audio Slave, which was basically the band. It, it was the band with right. with an actual singer who understood melody and singing. It really appealed to me, and but that doesn't mean that that really shouldn't take away from anything uh, they did as Rage Against the Machine. It's really more of a way of saying it wasn't for me, because as much as it wasn't for me, I liked the music so much I bought every, the, the first three albums: yeah. uh, the, the 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 debut Evil Empire and uh, Streets of Los Angeles, where Battle it was called? of Los Angeles, Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah. So I own those records, and I don't. Actually, I think you know, as far as covers go, that covers record is a pretty good record. Everything I just said was about how I personally don't like them, and this band belongs in. They were a, an instrument of change. They were a shift away from grunge during the alternative alternative grunge movement, and they actually kind of inspired what you just said, new metal. Good or bad, like it or not, that's exactly what they did. You know, the the as a solid band, and even like what you said when they went on Audio Slave, it just it, it proved that they were a solid no band. Fluke, no of- joke. Rage Against the Machine, we're putting them in, both of us. Absolutely. What song are we gonna play? Uh, let's play Bullet in the Head. Nothing wrong about your propaganda. Who's for the 
right, so let's just kind of recap. I'm going to run down here. Um, we're just going to do a quick yes or no, okay? Absolutely. Drink. Okay. Bon Jovi. Yes. One for both of us. Kate Bush. No. The Cars. Yes. Depeche Mode. No. Dire Straits. No. Eurythmics. No. But I want them in. But no. Oh, okay. Um, Jay Giles. Pick five, so. Uh, no. Judas Priest. Yes. LL Cool J. Mama said, what do you got to say? Yes. Okay. MC5. No. The Meters. No. Moody Blues. No. Radiohead. Yes. Rage Against the Machine. Oh, I guess, I mean, actually, that was my five, so uh, Rage Against the Machine, I have to say no. They're going in, man. They are. What? <laughs> Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. Not That'd Rufus, no? not featuring Shaka Khan. Okay, so that's a no for both of us. Nina, Nina Simone. No. Sister Rosetta Tharp. No, but she was a shredder. A hundred years ago, she yeah, was Yeah, that's the one I got to check out. Rock Daniel. Uh, Link Ray. Invented the power cord. Not going to make it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's not getting in, but, I, but I've decided he should. I and, appreciate what he's done. And the zombies, I think the same thing for me. Uh, I think they should just because, fuck it. But no, Tom they Toomey. won't. Tom Toomey. I'm rooting for you, Tom. Tom Toomey. All right. So last year we ended, and we'll do it again, with uh, who we think should get in. And um, I don't know if it's all right with you. My pick is not going to change, and that is either Glenn Danzig by himself or The Misfits featuring Glenn Danzig. I just think. Now, you, are you not a fan of the Michael Graves era? No, I I, I totally am. No, I was. Uh, okay. I'm just saying Glenn Danzig himself. I mean, between the Misfits, Sam Hain, which basically was the founding of goth music, and then just this weird, like the first Danzig record was not really like anything had heard before. It took a few. I think that came out in '88, and in '94 he did that EP that featured a live version of Mother, and then suddenly Mother took off. But. Yeah. But I remember, like, Mother and Twisted Cane, like, I couldn't get enough of them when that album came out. That first Danzig record is brilliant. The entire Misfits catalog is pretty much uh, uh, your, your, your template for how to be a horror pop punk band. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, the you brought it up last year the iconic skull image and how influenced how influential just that like fucking t-shirt is Your loving, I gotta 
I definitely agree with you 100%. I think the Misfits should be in. I think Danzig and Solo. I mean, that's, you know, I guess how they do it. Uh, two separate, that could be two separate uh, entries into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I definitely think the Misfits eventually should get in. And maybe, you know, with the, um, you know, the whole, like what I said earlier about Metallica and all those guys being in already, uh, maybe they can usher the Misfits in because, you know, sure. the Misfits also influenced so many bands. And uh, oh, like I said absolutely. last year when I saw them at... Uh, Saw them at Riot Fest, and you know, I, I was just uh, in. Dig awe it in a little of, uh, further, there, buddy. Dig it in. When I was having the time of my life at uh, Riot Fest, watching you know the original Misfits together, uh, man, almost brought a tear to my eye seeing those songs. You know, being played by Jerry Only, by Doyle, our our good friend Doyle, the best interview on the planet, and uh, <laughs> and Glenn Danzig. So. Which no, actually, I, I've, heard, I've heard some uh, some Glenn Danzig interviews lately, and I think Doyle might actually be a better interview than Glenn Danzig. Oh, boy. So if you had to pick one band not on the list that you think is worthy of a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination and induction, who would it be? Well, any listener to the Talk To Me podcast is going to know exactly where I'm going with this, and that will be Pantera. Uh, my quick notes I wrote down here. Pantera had the best run for any metal band in the 90s, starting with Cowboys from Hell in 1990 and ending with uh, Reinventing the Steel in 2000. Uh, Five amazing albums that kept metal alive and kept heavy metal alive throughout that time. Uh, you got you to remember that Metallica, Megadeth, and even Anthrax kind of fell off uh, towards the mid to late 90s, you know, doing a lot of uh, albums like Risk and Load and Reload and uh, and the, the ever-popular uh, Stomp 442 and albums like that. Dimebag, Soulful Virtuoso, Finney Paul def- uh, defined metal drumming and the sound of drums for a decade. Yeah, like yeah. People wanted that, that uh, Vinnie Paul drum sound. Uh, Rex Brown, to keep up with Dimebag, if you listen to uh, listen to a Dimebag solo, take a take a second and, and listen to what Rex is doing under it, man. He's he's not you know he's not just laying down. Uh, <laughs> no he's shit. He's not just playing the he's not just playing the riff under what Dime's doing. He's actually you know doing some great almost solo work. He's that Primer uh, Fifty Five in that shit. No, no, he's definitely not. He's actually got some talent. Um, and then obviously our good uh, our good man uh, Phil, the vocals from Phil from uh, from the highs on Cowboys from Hell to the some of the guttural lows he did on uh, Great Southern Trend Kill and reinventing the steel. You just can't uh, can't beat Phil's voice. I think it just kept getting better. Uh, obviously, it's not uh, up to par these days. You know, it's kind of going back to the sixty five year old running man. But uh, but yeah, Phil and Selmo. <laughs> Uh, you know, vulgar display of power, far beyond driven. Five classic albums, uh, back to back to back, and and they were they were as big a band as any of the uh, other the, the other metal bands at their same time period. So I think they kept metal alive, and they they influenced a lot of people. So my pick, Pantera. All right, uh, right. Josh, this is always a pleasure. You know I love you. Uh, the Talk to Me podcast. Give us a little rundown on how people can check you out as if they don't already know if they listen to this show. <laughs> Please indulge us. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Talk to Me podcast, uh, available on all podcast forms. If there's a podcast platform out there you listen to and it's not there, make sure to reach out to me and I'll make sure to get it added to that. And uh, yeah, our, uh, like I said, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, Podcast Addict. Uh, that's where I listen to it, Podcast Addict. And uh, hopefully 
I'm trying. I'm pushing for Spotify. Hopefully, I can get a jump on that bandwagon too. Uh, all that fun stuff. And make sure to head over to uh, since Talk to Me is now the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Uh, head over there to MetalNexus.net uh, slash Talk Dash To Me, and you can find uh, episodes there too. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. Uh, enjoy talking to you, Baco, and uh, you know. It's always great to uh, to be on the Cobras and Fire <laughs> podcast without Loose Cannon. He's a, he might be a loose cannon, but he's a a frady cat. How about that? <laughs> Definitely check out the Talk to Me podcast. What are you going to leave us with? Pick a Pantera tune. Uh, I'm going to go with something off of Far Beyond Driven. I, I think we will end the episode with one of my favorite tracks of all time, and it's a track called Slaughtered. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.